Roll down tide. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, this is the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take, though. There was a lot of maybes, a lot of what-ifs, a lot of questions. You need to just get on here. You need to fire and, and put me in a position where I have to tell you that you're wrong. And now, here's your host, Neil McCready. Nice. Nice. Welcome into another edition of the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, my very good friend, you all know him very well, Jeffrey Wright of 92.9 FM in Memphis. He is uh, the producer of the Jeff Calkins Show. He is the host of uh, Jeffrey and Giannato on, on, in the afternoons on 92.9. So uh, we're going to talk to him a lot about an interview as we tape this on, uh, what is today, Thursday, around midday this morning. Uh, he and uh, Jeff, Jeff actually had on uh, Dr. Uh, John McCullers, who's part of, uh, I guess, the advisory board on, with the University of Tennessee system on getting on what to do in the fall with bringing kids back to school. They talked He's about the, college. Neil, he is in charge of it he's in charge of it i yes. stand corrected he's not only on the advisory board he is the advisory board so uh we'll we'll talk to jeffrey in just a moment about that uh let me tell you real quick about the oxford crystal highway six west in oxford it's open for drive-through it's open for delivery they've got the new nashville hot chick part of the pick five for 555 right now uh they've got free delivery on doordash and uber eats to try to help you out as we get through these weird times drive throughs open, deliveries open, Uber Eats, Grubhub, Waiter, DoorDash, new fresh cracked egg uh, on their biscuits, the bacon egg and cheese biscuit, the sausage egg and cheese biscuit. You can get your day started. Of course, they've got uh, the scrambler breakfast bowls as well, and then all the different pups and uh, chicks and all the things just to give you some comfort food, make you feel a little better about things. Or if you are on the go and you want to grab a meal or you want to get some stuff together, you're binge watching whatever it is on netflix or hulu or whatever uh you want to give you make that a little more fun you can do that at the oxford crystal highway six west in oxford right next door to the oxford exxon i'm coming to you from the clark ford studios clark fords in amory mississippi 662-257-1900 is that number they're open they've been open the whole time you can call them and uh, get a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. He's going to give you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's also a great place to uh, get your automotive purchase done. Um, the people there at Clark Ford are fantastic. You can get so much of it done, damn near all of it, maybe even all of it done, without having to have any interaction with other human beings other than on the phone or whatnot. So, um all of those things are available to you at Clark Ford, 662-257-1900. Jeffrey, appreciate the time. How are you? Good morning, sir. I am well. How about you? I'm good. So let's let's go here. I want to. I listened. To you you were kind enough. You said, hey, uh, you want to hear this, and you sent it to me. And about two minutes after you sent it to me, I hit the play button, and I just got through listening to it probably just a little while ago. And it was uh, it was fascinating on a lot of counts. Most people come to us to hear about sports. He made one kind of emphatic comment that sticks out. It's one of those interviews that I want to go back and listen to it again because there were several things that I sort of want to hear again because for a number of reasons, we'll get to them in a minute. But the one thing that really stood out in my mind was he said, there won't be fans in Neyland Stadium. Tell me if I heard that right. There won't be fans in Neyland Stadium this year. That won't happen. This comes on the heels of Ray Tanner, the athletics director at South Carolina, saying yesterday, I believe, that uh, 
If there are fans at, at, at uh, what's it called, Williams-Brice, if there are fans there, they will be socially distanced. It comes on the heels of me hearing someone in Chicago say that if there are fans at Soldier Field this fall for the Bears games, it will be more like capacity of fifteen to 20,000 and not what you normally see at a Bears game where it's packed. Uh, it, it, I, I, the word I used on rebelgrove.com was sobering. And every time I hear someone like Dr. McCullers, who knows what he's talking about, who, as you said, is very pragmatic, whenever I hear them say things like that in the back of my mind, I cannot help but think it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, it being football season. I can't help but think whenever I hear these kinds of comments made, I can't help but think it's just not going to happen. I think to be specific, I believe he said Neyland Stadium this fall. And before anyone, I, I understand there is so much concern over who the messenger is at these times because, you know, from a coverage perspective, from a political perspective, from every which direction, I think this entire situation has been dealt with dishonestly, probably, is the best way that you could phrase it, and irresponsibly is the other way that you could phrase it. And I'm not just attacking the president. I'm saying that from the CDC saying that there's no proof that masks help when the CDC knows that that's not true. However, they also knew they didn't have enough masks. And so I'm sure that directive was sent to them and they made that statement, but there's no, I mean, there's all, all scientific evidence suggests that wearing masks helps. It's wildly uncomfortable and it's sucks. Uh, And admittedly, I only do it just out of public shaming. Um, but when you look at, when you look at the way that everything has been delivered, the way that this entire thing has been handled, I completely understand mistrust of anything that is said on this subject, which ironically Neil and I are discussing right now, but it does involve football. So I, I think you will want to listen. And Dr. McCullers came on the show. I don't remember, Neil, if it was – I sent it to you also immediately, that one. It was about six weeks ago, give or take. I, I'm not – Yeah, I, I was going to say about four to five, maybe so maybe six weeks because uh, there's – I don't know about you, but like con- time context over the last two months yes. is, is really, really Completely spotty. lost. And – At least a month ago. Yes, and, you know, you think back to – like I'm now seeing uh, the – the Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn movie. It was released in February, and I would have thought for sure that thing was released before, you know, January at the at the latest, but I honestly thought that it was released in December because the last two months, as you've mentioned, like it, it's been some of the longest months I can remember. And normally I feel like the, the older you get, the faster time goes by. I, I think we've had a nice course correction right now because it, it seems to me that the days, the weeks stand still uh, yeah. currently. So it was give or take, you know, give or take a month ago. I, I'm not, I'm not certain of the date, but Jeff and Dr. McCullers started discussing, you know, what would sports look like? And Dr. McCullers was the first person that I remember willing to state publicly, you know, 
I think it could be the upwards of two years before we start to see what we think of as sports as normal returning. With that being said, I think there's going to be some type of hybrid model of sports returning here within the next nine months or so. And, you know, he said it could be a little sooner, it could be a little later, but I think you'll start to see some type of hybrid model, whether it be games without fans, whether it be games with what we're now starting to see, Neil, being proposed. As you mentioned, the Bears came up with a plan. The first team that I saw that had a plan like that was the Dolphins, and I believe Hard Rock Stadium holds something around 65, and their plan had it showing, you know, around 15,000 or maybe maybe 20,000, but I think it was closer to 15 than it was to 20. And we've started to see these these types of hybrid type models. And this was before anyone else I, I saw deliver this message. And with with regard to what he said about SEC football, I think what also makes it very difficult to comprehend and to, you know, I am always one that understands. I, I'm not, I am not, in terms of reporters and reporters that I know and trust, I'm not one that dismisses what they say. I am also very careful when I'm reading stories or when I'm listening to to the guys and gals that I respect. I'm careful to look at how they word things because what I think is occurring right now, and you tell me if you feel otherwise, this is not just a, a financial crisis for you, me, everyone out there that's that's had their, you know, entire financial lives, you know, completely completely shaken up. I mean, you know, I like I said, I I I got a ten percent pay cut. I think it was a ten percent pay cut, no bonuses, even the ones that I'd already earned were not going to be paid out and no no four oh one K matching. And I celebrated that like that was because I, I, I knew the reality of the situation and I I saw I saw what was going to happen with the markets. And I just know that any business, when it comes time, when the numbers are bad, the first thing you do is you, you cut salaries. You know, it's easy to say, well, why doesn't this business just pivot? And, you know, if you're in radio, OK, well, there's going to be businesses that do well in recessions. Why not find them to advertise? And uh, that's a fair point to make. I just know history suggests that's never what happens salaries get cut. But what has made, I think, things even more difficult to to understand in terms of football, particularly college football, is these athletic directors and these school presidents are in a horrific no-win situation. And, you know, I think for a multitude of reasons, I think they have to say we're, you know, We'll 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 play. We'll see in September, or you know, we'll see the kids in we'll see the kids in August. We'll see the you know, we'll see you in September. Yeah, and it makes all the sense in the world for why they would say that. Number one, you're probably not going to send that five thousand dollar check for that you know donation to Ole Miss to get your to get your seats if you don't think there's going to be a season. You might be hanging on to that five grand because 
you know what? You're a little. You would like to have a little more cash on hand right now. Sure. Than, yeah. Than, I mean, these are uncertain. I mean, every ad sure. starts with the, these uncertain times. But the truth is, these are uncertain times. I mean, I get tired of the ads too. But, but yeah. I mean, you you're you're not gonna pay. You're not going to put money down for tickets unless you really believe that that there are going to be games and that you're going to be allowed to watch those games. You're going to be allowed to attend those games. It's 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 elementary. And further, if you're a university president, you know whether or not whether or not students are on campus, there's still bills to be paid, and it, it, the same kind of holds true. If you don't think there's going to be, if you don't think there's going to be classes in the fall, you're yeah. not going to pay tuition and you know, sure. You're uh, not going to put that down payment down. It's, I mean, Campbell's got a, a coyote. She's living in a schedule sure. to live in the coyote house this year. And there's a big payment due in about three weeks or four weeks. And I mean, look, I don't mind making the payment, but I do. I suddenly, I have a question that I wouldn't have had three or four months ago, which is okay. I, I get it. If she can live there, here's the money. She, you know, they, you, you got to charge room and board. I get it. But what happens with this money if the decision is made that they can't move in? How quickly do I get it back? Are you going to hang on to it for a year? Because if you are, then I'm a little more reluctant to send it in. If it's, hey, as soon as the decision's made, we'll, we'll, we'll refund the money immediately. Okay, well, then here, here's the money. Otherwise, I mean, I have questions. And, and you're right. On a, on a much larger scale, that's there for all of these institutions, which is they've got to say the positive, which is we expect to be back. Right, and this doesn't mean that I fundamentally believe that they are being disingenuous or that they are, you know, that they're, for lack of a better term, lying just to get money. I don't think that because here's the reality. We, we've talked about how long these two months are, Neil. Think about, think about how much the, the mood around COVID-19 and, and everything has changed in the last two months. We went from, okay, yeah. what the hell is this to... You know, sorry, kids. Oh shit! This is this is legit. Like this thing yeah. is this thing is big. To now being, you know, the man. I look at the numbers, and it looks like it's pretty centralized in New York. It yeah. it looks Nursing like Seattle homes. and and New Orleans, and it looks to me like. Yep. You know, Nurse, nursing homes. What is it? You know, somewhere between seventy-five and eighty percent of the of the deaths or mm-hmm. elderly or at risk. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, are we really, should we really be shutting everything down? I'm not saying, Hey, you know, let's go to the steel Panther concert down in mobile. And, you know, let's <laughs> have, let's have 5,000 people in a theater rocking out with our cock out. But at the same time, it's like, maybe we should, maybe we should go to work in, in a safe environment to now, you know, it's it's almost where, and this I think was predictable. I think you and I even discussed this. There's this, this now this pushback, and it's like once once yeah. you start getting frustrated, it there's going to be pushback. And I'm also watching, you know, I'm watching people that I deem to be good, responsible parents that are getting driven insane. Because everyone's at home and, you know, you got all the kids at home. Your day is completely changed. I I know there are some out there that are fully capable of doing it, but I was not one of those people. And working from home, I think, has really taken its toll on certain, certain people. And you're watching people get driven, you know, 
pushing the boundaries of what is you know what is stable mental health yeah. and now people have people have gone from in my opinion to thinking long term you know rational okay let's let's find a way to get through this to now people are i think the switch has been flipped to you know almost like survival type mode and yeah. because of that you know you make you make very different decisions when you perceive either your life your livelihood whatever is on the line you you act a little more desperate than you do when you're not as concerned and so because of all of these factors i don't i don't know what to think like when i read what these presidents say because i don't necessarily think that they're lying because i also view it this way in that when you think back of of the emotional mood swings and and how we have felt about this i don't know what we what if we get to neil what if we get to the middle of july and i think this is a completely realistic and i would not even argue point of view to hold if you know 2 months from now yes we know that this virus is here it seems highly unlikely that it's going to all of a sudden disappear. But with that being said, it does seem to target at-risk people. Let's identify those at-risk people. Let's not let's not kick them to the curb and just go, you know, turn this into, you know, a new form of social Darwinism. But, hey, maybe dad needs to work from home. And maybe... I can work from the office and and we start to kind of blend this, this reality. And from a university perspective, you know, the age group that's going to be on a university in terms of students is not a significant portion of the people that have been at risk or are at risk. Now where the complications arise are you telling me, Neil, what, what's Arkansas probably have, 25,000 undergrads? Uh, it's probably close to that. Yeah, 22, 23, somewhere in there. That's okay. my guess. Okay, let's say let's say on the campus in Fayetteville with grad schools, everything, let's call it 30,000 kids. Okay. And let's take the most conservative number of, of deaths in that range. It's about 0.1%. Uh, so are we going to be okay if, you know, 30 University of Arkansas students die? And I'm not from, actually, co- from coronavirus. Correct. Because think about it. Are you telling me of those 30,000 students, are you going to tell me that none of them are overweight? Are you going to tell me none of them have diabetes? Are you going to tell me none of them have other pre-existing conditions which make you susceptible? And are you going to tell me that someone? What's the number? What What is the number you're using? About thirty. You're using, let's. I'm using. You're using point oh one or yeah. point oh oh one. So it'd be. I'm using the point one percent, which would be point oh. Yeah, point oh oh one. Oh oh one. Yeah. Okay. So I'm yeah. using what the age group statistic would be. So we're looking at around thirty kids, and. 
I, I again, I'm not here to, I'm not here to cast judgment because I don't know what the. I, I don't that's know. A, what I mean, the I'll be honest. Is. That's thirty kids that wouldn't have died otherwise. That's a huge number. I mean, I suppose it's impossible to make that argument, but it seems reasonable to make that argument. Yeah, and that's. A, I mean, honestly, that's a big number. I mean, 30, 30 young people are, are are who would not have died had it not been for corona. Now, here's the question: Would they have gotten it and died anyway had they not convened on a college campus? Correct, and. You know, and these are, and you know what, and you just you're just touching on something that really bothers me lately. This is the conversation that you and you and me, a couple of just dudes, are having this conversation. We're having it civilly, and we're discussing it. We're talking about it. We're kind of brainstorming about it. I don't feel like anyone in our federal government. I don't. I'm not ripping the president here. I'm ripping both sides. You know that. I don't feel like they're having these conversations. Like, okay, what is it? What, what does it look like? What does it mean? Here's Here's what it is. It it just feels like it's just nothing but gotcha and we're gonna get you and 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 just it's 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 nothing but a campaign. And I'm I catch myself furious with everyone involved because this is the conversation that I want to be able to have. I want to, what is the risk? Because if it's well, you know, by putting all those kids together in Fayetteville or Oxford or Starkville or wherever, if by putting all of those kids together, you are accelerating a risk. Okay, well, that's something we need to talk about. But if it's, well, look, here's the thing. They would have gotten it anyway, in all likelihood, just being about, being out and about, because the 30 that would get it are ones that are heavily diabetic or are morbidly obese or uh, or have uh, very compromised immune systems because of some unfortunate thing that happened in their lives. They're at risk no matter what. They're at risk if they go to Walgreens. Maybe, maybe they be, at, maybe they have childhood leukemia. Yeah, they're at risk. They're at risk if they go to the classroom at at uh, at Bishop Hall in, yes. in Oxford, and they're at risk if they walk into the Walmart. I mean that that's just that they're they're at an ex- accelerated risk. And if you then were to say to me, but the 19 year old who's perfectly healthy. Like I'll use Campbell as an example. She's perfectly healthy to the best of my knowledge. She's physically fit. She exercises every day. She has no history of, of, of medical issue. If, if, if the doctor says to me, she's at absolutely no more risk to be around um, bunches of, of young people her age than she is if she goes to Walmart or if she goes to um, a walk in the park or whatever, whatever, whatever makes Anywhere you Anywhere where there's a she crowd goes, of people. Yeah, she goes and sits outside at, at, at a pizza place outside in the open air and, and visits with friends. Because here's the thing, and I'm learning this with a 19-year-old child. And and those of you who are out there locking your kids down and you can do it, hey, props. We can't do it anymore. It it, it it's it's no longer healthy. It's it's not mentally healthy. It's just not. I mean, it's it's just not good. Like Campbell had her birthday was a week ago and she had some friends over. And it was about the first time I'd seen her happy in a couple of weeks, a few weeks. And 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 when they left, she was kind of down in the dumps for a little while. She's snapping out of it now. But, man, this is – this is uh, oh, there's I'll more to you, this. I'll do you there's one just, more, man. There's a lot here, yeah. I, I'm wired very similarly to you in that, let, let's be real, when the social distancing regulations went into place, it didn't change our lives too much. You know what I mean? From in terms of the day to day, it obviously changed our jobs a lot. But I mean, basically, I now had a built-in excuse to 
never go anywhere and just to sit on the couch. Now, yeah. because of that, I also developed a, a COVID-19. Uh, I, I, I definitely put on, you know, you've heard of the freshman 15. I put on COVID-19. <laughs> but, you know, I, I and obviously I have I have some other external pressures. You know, I'm going to get married on June 27th. And sure, of course. Yeah. You guys were planning a wedding and you were planning a honeymoon. And yeah, you're you're like a lot of people. Yeah. People had summer. People had plans, big trips, big whatever's anniversary trips, whatever. And and, and no one knows what to do with those things. No one in your situation knows, hey, do we is it okay to have a wedding? Is it because here's the thing, if it's not okay to get 50 people together to have a wedding at the end of June, well, then the answer to college football is there. We already have it. If, if it's if it's not safe for 50 people to gather, well, then the answer to a lot of our college stuff is right here in front of us. I mean, that's where I'm coming from on it is it's and, and then here's one of the questions I have, Jeffrey, is where are we getting these numbers like 50 or 100 or one fourth or. I don't I mean, it's all I mean, it's all a model. And it's yeah, and, and that's and, the, and I that's just wonder the is it arbitrary or, or, or is there science here? No, I, Again, I really I, don't think th- I don't think these numbers were just randomly selected by saying mm, fifty sounds okay. What what my interpretation of what the medical experts, what the research experts are doing is they are running these models and they are figuring out under these constraints, which is, you know, we're uh, we're at you know x date and time we've seen they you know they input the data from number of number of confirmed cases number of deaths like they take the information that they have and they run simulations and then they determine you know it'll sp- i don't know how many times i run it 10,000 i'm not sure yeah but it, they'll run all these simulations and then it comes up you know then they basically are looking at well if we allow 70 people in a group, here's here's what the projections say of the number of cases we'll see, the number of deaths we'll see, if we allow 50. And so basically, my understanding is 50 is about that number where there doesn't appear to be, under certain circumstances, under, you know, under the conditions, it the, the difference, the impact of having 50 people in a group versus having... 20 in a group is not statistically significant. Therefore, you can have 50 adhering to, you know, all of the all of the the standard operating procedures that that, you know, should the the right precautions that should be taken. That is my understanding of how it works. The problem is. And and I've said this all along. Listen, I'm not a I'm not I didn't wasn't a math major, but. I do understand statistics very well. One of the biggest issues is if you, you know, some of these simulations and and these models that we're running, if you tried to run it in a statistics class, that study, your your professor would fail you because it's not an appropriate way to, to come up with, you know, it's not a random sample size. It's not, you know, it, you know, all, all of the, all of the qualifications that you need to run a legitimate study are not met. With that being said, I am not the person that goes, these numbers are worthless. I understand that they're flawed. That doesn't mean that they're wrong, you know, 100%. It doesn't mean, 
All, all it means is that the methodology is flawed, but it's what we got. So we got to roll with it. And, you know, to, to your larger point of, you know, why are, why are where we are is I, at first I used to think the argument of why is this a political, why is this, why is this political? Why, why, why are where we are? I used to think, you know, this is a public health issue. And while I do think it's obviously a public health issue, in the end, it was destined to become political despite, you know, let's say that we would have had both, you know, all sides of the aisle operating responsibly and operating honestly. It was destined to become a political issue because in the end of the day, the type of actions that we are discussing are based upon what is the role of government. The left is always going to, you know, by and large, the left is going to believe that more government action is needed and the right is going to believe that less government action is needed and there's more personal responsibility, if you will. And so I think it was destined to become political. But the biggest issue that we're seeing now is that this has become a this has become the type of situation that we can't talk about honestly about in political forums. I mean, we're not going to, you're not going to hear politicians say, hey, outside of being elderly or having a pre-existing condition, the number one pre-existing condition is being obese. You're never going to hear anyone say that. Um, you know, we're not going to say, okay, what are we, you know, what are we comfortable with? Because you're always going to immediately get the, you're going to immediately get the response if one person dies, that's too many. And so, you know, it backs them into this position where there's not a desire to solve the problem. There's a desire to stay politically popular. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, there's there's so much out there that 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 people want answers to. And, and it's why whenever you get a guy like McCullers on your show, I. I I'm I'm locked in, uh, you know. Um, there's different medical people that have different opinions, and I just catch myself listening to medical people and kind of uh, drowning out everyone else. All right, let me ask you about this because um, uh, Brett McMurphy has a story out this morning. I think Brett's done really strong, consistent work on this topic. He has worked on this story and basically this story alone for the better part of two months now and I know he's made a bunch of enemies I had him on the Oxford Exxon podcast and we had him on our show too uh, yeah people just you know ripped him and and a lot of times he's just quoting people he has a story out today multiple com conference commissioners told stadium that student athletes would not be prevented from returning to campus to play football this season if classes are limited to online only instruction I am fascinated with this idea and a lot of people get mad at me when I use the word fascinated because I, I go into why it fascinates me is that tell me if you, if you agree with them. Look, and, and, and people go, oh, you, you just don't want there to be football. No, no, I want there to be football. I need there to be football. Let's establish one thing right off the bat. Neil McCrady wants there to be football for a thousand reasons. Yeah, actually more than a thousand. But yes, yes. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I need football. Thousands, a, thousands my, of my, reasons. Yeah, my want or desire for football is immaterial. That's a personal thing. I need football. That's a professional thing. There's a difference. 
there's, yes. a, there's a total difference. I mean, and it's like I it's need, like, uh, and I need it for both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, people people do the whole thing with like, oh, here's a want need. For example, when someone says, you know, I really need a haircut. Well, okay, you 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 need one, but you don't need one. You this could feels you can a certain, little pointed, you, Neil. I have an appointment next Wednesday. <laughs> but you understand God, my Ali point. has been it's, texting you too. Damn it. It's a want. It's a want. And yeah, it, it, I get it. But when someone says, like when we talk about food shortages or when, when someone can't afford food, that's now we get past want. We're getting, in, we're getting into a need. I mean, I need, you know, I mean, I need football. I don't know what happens to my business if there's no football. I, I'm, I'm not confident. I mean, I have, I have friends in this business that are like, oh, no, I think we'd be okay. And I'm, I'm not convinced we would be. So we'll see. I hope we don't see. But anyway, I am absolutely fascinated, though, at the prospect of, Let's, we stayed on. We had Arkansas a minute ago. Let's let's go with Arkansas. Let's say Arkansas. All all jokes aside, um, about socially distancing a stadium. They've been doing it for a while. Um, but in this case, there's no one in the stadium. There's no one in the stadium. And there, I mean, all jokes aside, there's a difference between twenty thousand people in a seventy thousand seat stadium and no one in a seventy thousand seat stadium. There's no one in the stadium. Uh, kids are not. On campus, they're not in Fayetteville on the campus taking classes, but you are willing to bring the football program to town, quarantine them, which is another question entirely. How much quarantine are we talking about? Away from their families? Away from any contact with anyone outside of that program? How do you travel? When you travel, do you stay in a hotel room? Do you, do you fly on planes? Do you take buses? Who all's in your traveling party? You're going to do all of that and play these games. And let's be real. In that scenario, you are doing this for one reason only, and that's TV money. That the players don't get any of. And this issue that you bring up and the reason why I think you are 100% spot on when you say you find it fascinating and I'm not just saying it because I agree with you but I have found it fascinating because let's let's be real Neil the NCAA just released their proposal for name image and likeness uh, I guess policy if you will and guys like you and me looked at that and we sat there and said, that's it? Like, first off, let's, yeah. let's, let's start with the obvious. One of the biggest reasons why, you were, why this policy went into place was to combat pay-for-play. So essentially you were combating a black market. And now you have introduced policy which says you're going to limit the – you're going to control a market and you're going to limit – what players can do and you're going to rule on what is fair market value and, and all of these things. Yeah. yeah. You're going to, you're going to tell these kids you can't in, in this scenario, I'm, I'm assuming you can't see mom and dad. You can't see your girlfriend. You can't see your friends. You can't. If you're, if you're Earl Thomas, you can't see your brothers. <laughs> Okay, are they are they going to be allowed to go out? Because I mean, you know, what, what, are you going to be allowed to get out ever? Can what, what about when you need to go to the grocery store? 
I mean, I guess we I guess we're going to waive all the NCAA rules and we're going to put them in a hotel. Is that what we're going to do? We're going to put them in some sort of hotel or in a dorm and we're not going to let them we're going to hold them prisoner basically when they're not practicing or playing football. And that's the end of it's the end of the group of five. Because while you might be able to do that at Arkansas or Alabama or whatnot, Louisiana Tech says we're done. That's it. We're out. Louisiana Monroe says can't do it. I mean, all jokes aside, UAB says done. Huh? It's over. No, no, I, I just got AK back. Stop. But I mean, that's what happens, man. I mean, if that's what we're if that's what we're doing, if you say, and then if you're a student athlete, what happens? And I've talked to two parents about this. One parent of an Ole Miss player and one a parent of another player who plays at a group of five and both of them said I don't know that I'd be good with that and this is not and it's not it's it's that basic thing okay so wait a minute it's not safe for me to watch my son play it's not safe for me to be there and it's not safe for the student body that he represents to even be on campus but it's safe for him to play so that people at home can can get their jollies and so that the school can get its TV money? Nah, I'm good. Well, and I would even take it one step further. I, I think that's somewhat of a, a moral question. And I think that's another aspect that has made this situation so difficult. It's that essentially we're having to make legislative and we're having to make you know rule of law decisions based on moral questions, which you know, in my opinion, are always complicated. So forget the, forget the, you know, set aside the, the moral aspect. I want to look at it from this perspective of, okay, I think, I think what, I think the attorneys that have been, you know, the, those that battle the NCAA, I think they have realized, you know what, trying to point out the constitution at constitutionality, of NCA rules, it doesn't work. In the end, it is a member organization that you electively choose to join, and there's significant amount of precedent that states they get to make their own rules. You choose, you actively you joined it, and you said that you would abide by their rules, and that's why they keep winning in court on most issues. They don't win all, but they win on most. What becomes really fascinating is the biggest argument against you know paying the kids if you will however you want to yeah. however you want to phrase it is yeah. that they are not employees they are student athletes okay how does that argument hold up in a court of law when you know Listen to this quote. It's it's along the lines of what you're saying right now. This this is a quote from a Power Five athletic director, uh, granted anonymity, speaking to Brett McMurphy of the stadium. Brett couldn't write this fast enough. Why can't you play football on campuses that are closed? The athletic director asked, again, quoting from the stadium, Brett McMurphy. If classes are being offered online, there's no restriction on where you complete the coursework. You would need an easily administered COVID-19 test that is available to every athletic department. Test the student-athletes, coaches, trainers, and support personnel to make sure that your cohort is free of virus. Quarantine the cohort for practice, online classes, food service, and leisure time activities. That would be a very safe environment. 
Many of our athletes were taking a significant portion of their credit hours online long before the virus showed up. The only difference would be an empty campus, theoretically an even safer environment. You are, you are saying right there, they are your property. Correct. And so that is what you're saying. And and if, if I'm the property and this is, I keep waiting for this to come up and maybe it will. Right now, the NCAA is still voting on the one-time transfer, no penalty thing. They just told them, hey, we can't do a video game. We did in the past. Can't do a video game. Just won't work. Can't do licensing agreements where the where the, the university, where let's say, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask can't go into business, if you will, into an agreement with Florida where, hey, he gets a percentage of every one of his jerseys that are sold at, at, at UF games or online or whatnot. He can't. He can't. You can't cash in on that. But you guys want to lock us up? Oh, no, hold up. Here's our, here's our deal. We've got leverage right now. Until, in, until we get this, this, and this, we're not playing. Matter of time. You want to you wanna lock us up? Leisure activities. What does that include? I mean, I mean, not to be crass, and if you have a child in your car, it's time to stop. The, these are 19, 20-year-old boys. What do you think leisure time activities includes? That's presumably is out. What are you going to do? You going to give them conjugal visits? I mean, that's my question with this, Jeffrey. I, I mean, legitimate. I have real well, questions. With the NCA, with the NCA limit. I mean, how? What's that? What's that? I mean, what, what's what that, that penalty? Like? What is the and, penalty? And let's matrix? face it. A lot of these guys have tutors. I mean, a lot of these guys. It's one of the perks of of, of being a Division One athlete is you have unlimited academic assistance. Really, do you, do you have to quarantine those people? I mean, they can't go home. You have to determine who is the support staff, right? Yes. I mean, if, if Keith Carter at Ole Miss is part of the support staff during the course of the football season, does he have to quarantine with the football team? Can he not go home? Because if he goes home, maybe his wife went to Walmart. I mean, this doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It comes back. I'm, 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 I'm going to say this on the Oxford Exxon podcast. And people are going to get angry and they're going to get mad, but it doesn't work. It, do, it, 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 hard, it doesn't even work on theory, but in reality, it doesn't work. So let's say who's one of the trainers, Shannon Singletary at Ole Miss. He, he can't go. He, he can't be. He can't go home. His wife, Molly, who is an outstanding pediatrician, presumably is going to have seen children. She's presumably going to be around other people. And he has a beautiful young family. Statistics gone, show presumably that, that young children school. are. Well, statistics show that young children are asymptomatic whenever they yeah they they get it, and so it does it does it, it this this model of quarantining players doesn't work. The only way you can sell it, in my eyes, and I do believe it's a sales job. I do. It's because it's I'm for one of two things. I'm for either saying, "Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to open it up." And uh, people assume risk, and you have to decide on your own: is it a risk you're willing to take, or you have to say, "We're just not going to do it." I, I don't think at the college level. See, it's different in the NFL, right? Well, they're because professional. These are, these they are, are pro are, guys. They are employees. Well, and not only that. And here's a key thing: if you're a major league baseball player, if you're Paul Goldschmidt. You, your your opinions theoretically are heard and represented at the bargaining table by the Major League Bla- uh, Baseball Players Association. Correct. You have a voice. You can 
call your player rep, whoever that might be on the Cardinals with the Cubs, it's Chris Bryant. You, 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 you can pick up the phone or cell phone, text, whatever, and call your player rep and say, hey, I, I, since I don't know who the Cardinals guy is, I'll use the Cubs. You can say, hey, uh, Chris, these are my concerns. And theoretically, those concerns are heard and are relayed at the bargaining table. And before you go to work, you've worked out a deal. And, obviously, you've worked out some form of compensation. There's a reason why they, there's a reason why the the plan that Major League Baseball has, it, it has to go to the players. Yeah, I mean, it, that's they're getting ready to have a proposal from the owners to the players. The players will outright reject the the first proposal, and they'll go to the bargaining table in, in the next couple, three weeks and try to work something out where in case they're cleared to play, they've got a path to do it. But that, that's going, that does not today exist at the college level. And to me, the other issue in all of this is, Okay, let's let let's take your. I don't think they'll try the quarantine element. You know, the, the quarantine strategy. So the only because I don't, I don't, I think they realize that's not possible. So therefore, until there is a vaccine, which that's another aspect that's gotten wildly under discussed. Uh, vaccines are really difficult. Very very difficult. How are we doing on that SARS vaccine? Well, and 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 as. Uh your guest this morning said, even if you have a vaccine, getting it readily available to the quantities of millions that you would need is 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 a project in and of itself. Reality is, if we're waiting on a vaccine to get back to life, we're on hold for at least two years. Correct. And the reason why I say that, so therefore the only strategy is testing and regular testing. Uh, Neil, I... Uh, you are uh, as well read of an individual of the news that I know. Uh, are we sitting on a stockpile of tests that I'm unaware of? No, we're getting better, uh, and right, there's progress that, being I mean, made. Think, okay, we're moving in the right take, direction. Take but, the number but of people. Take the number of people that that we're discussing. I mean, we're talking about just college football right here. So yeah. you're talking about you're talking about probably 200 to 250 people per program. Uh, you're, you're talking about if, if you're, if you're going through the fantasy at this point of, of everybody, every school that, ha- that plays D one or, uh, FCS or whatever football FBS, come on, Jim. FBS. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about them doing it again. Um, so you're talking about 130 programs. I don't know. Do the math on that 130 times 250, And then you'd have to be able to do it repetitively. It's a lot. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a high expectation. It's, it's much different than. And it's much different than, um, you know, one of the things Major League Baseball is looking at, we, we talked about them, so I'll use them, is, you know, they're looking at privately procuring uh, tests. And I saw uh, NBA is as well, and Adam Silver has said, hey, you know, one of the things I don't want to do is I don't want to, can we afford to go out and buy the test? Of course. Yeah, we can go buy the test. We can go buy the test to test our people regularly all the time. But in doing so, am I taking away tests from people who need them? And if that's the case, then I'm not going to do it. I mean, that's silver. I suppose the uh, Manfred's going to be the same way. I think Goodell will be the same way with the NFL. Um, you know, it, the the only the reason the NFL thing's not on the clock right now is because they're not on the clock. Correct. But they're ske- But tonight, you and I are taping this at noon. Tonight, their schedules are going to come out. Well, all they've these already gotten rid of international games. Yeah, all these teams are going to put these schedules out, 
And the schedule supposedly include more flexibility. I don't know what that means. I'm fascinated to see what comes out, but they're going to put out these schedules. And one of the first questions people are going to have is, okay, well, what if you can't start on time? Well, here's what if, what if this, what if that, what if, uh, let's see the 49ers, the chargers, the Rams, they all play in the state of California. Yeah. Unless Gavin Newsom becomes a new human being. Yeah. Gavin Newsom, no, no Gavin, large gatherings. Yeah, no large well, he's gatherings. He's not going to open up stadiums. I, I, the the most recent information I got is that Newsom has been telling people he doesn't see sports in any capacity in California and until at least twenty twenty one. So what are you doing with with your defending NFC champion? The two, the the last two defending NFC champions. Yeah, you're having to move them to different locales. I mean. And so where you know where is that? Are well, you, what I about mean, like, Ohio? I mean, what, what are we doing there? I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, what is Michigan doing? I, you know, and and so these are all issues that, to me, all come back to the same point. Like let's, but let, let's go back to the testing idea. All right, by my numbers, your approximate. To, to test all of FBS, to keep the FBS microsystem or whatever ecosystem going, that's 32,500 when you do 250 yep. times yep. 130. I just did the exact same math. I'm staring right at it. And that's that's for a what one you, test. What are you going to do? Test them once a week? If you test them once a week, it's a 14-week schedule. So we're talking that, about four, okay. you know, 450,000, give or take. Well, and then but they, they, we said they're going to need six weeks to get ready. So, so times 20 is what that number would be. So we're talking about 650,000 tests to get through a, a college football season. And, and then what, and then what do you do when a player, here's the bigger, here's a, and not a bigger, it's just another question. A, a coach, an administrator, a trainer test positive and has symptoms. Can you contact trace that? Well, I mean, think about when Fred Hoy. Remember, it was the now. Granted, it was the peak of the hysteria of, you know, it was. You know, it was the it was the movie scene where the aliens come to Earth, and you you find out that I mean, they went after, you know, COVID went after Tom Hanks, uh, the NBA, the NCAA tournament. Like that was their that was their entrance, and then you got Fred Hoiberg, who just had you know, what appeared to be like either a massive sinus infection or the actual flu. And, you know, they were ready at that point to burn him at the stake. I mean, now granted, now granted, we know more about it and there's probably not the same stigma that there was on that evening, but I don't think it would be significantly different in terms of a reaction. And I think this is the bigger question. So one of the points that Dr. McCullers made is that I will be advising the president of the University of Tennessee system, and I will, I will make my recommendations. In the end, here's where they have some cover, they being the universities. The university presidents are not going to make, like, for instance— Arkansas is not going to say the fact that Arkansas and Hunter Yurchak and Yurchak and and the president are saying we're going to be open. That doesn't matter because the decision is going to be made by the SEC, and 
so so it doesn't matter what one school does. They're you know they're kind of taking the you know taking the 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 burning you know the hot potato out of their hands and they're saying all right we're going to make this decision collectively. Well, what happens when you know in the southeast we're not as we're not as clustered as the northeast. We don't have as big as cities. Seems entirely realistic that the South can play, or that 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 you know this isn't even a oh it's a bunch of red states. No, it's like no, it's not New York City. So it seems entirely reasonable that they could decide. You know what? This is uncomfortable. All systems go. We're playing. Well, what if the Big Ten, which has a school in Rutgers, that's just outside of New York City. It's got oh, I, I know where you're going. A team yeah. in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. It's got a team, two teams in Michigan. Uh what happens if they say we can't do this? And what happens when the Pac-12, which has a team in Seattle, uh two teams in Oregon, two, two teams, teams in, in LA. LA, uh two teams in the Bay Area? Yep. What happens when they say we can't do this? But Utah says we can. Arizona says we can. Arizona State says well, we can. Well, it's for James Franklin yet again. God, our God does not disappoint. <laughs> How about last night? Yeah, you know, yesterday having the audacity. It's not fair to punish you know the whole league, you know when when we can play. Well, it's, <laughs> it seems wildly convenient to me, and maybe it's just a coincidence that right now uh, Penn State could play, but. Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State can't. Seems like there might be some incentive for Franklin to say we should be playing. But Inter- the larger question, this. the larger question though for me is, what does that world look like? Because I think everyone goes, well, screw it. If the Big Twelve, or the SEC, and the ACC all say we're playing, like let's play some football. Well, there's contracts with that playoff. You think that oh, absolutely? And if you don't play, are you getting a piece of the pie? My guess is no. Bob Bowlesby was asked, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Larry Scott, Pac-12, says, quote, it's very, very highly unlikely that the Pac-12 would start a season without all members playing. And then he goes on to say, if we want to play a full season, want bowl games in the college football playoff, we all have to move together. We have to agree on the same system. That is not what Bob Bowlesby said in this exact same article Bob Bowlesby with the Big 12 says it's not inconceivable at all that they could be playing in the Big 10 and not the Pac-12 or we're playing in the Big 12 and they're not playing in the SEC. Conferences will work together, but we're not pledged to be in lockstep. And my question is, okay, let's say that that occurs. Uh, I find it highly unlikely that the Big 10 is going to say, you know what, you guys take a – Take a, you know, we've had enough of this playoff money. You guys yeah. take a little more. Does that force their hand? Because in the end, the biggest question to me is, is what ends up driving driving the, the change in attitude of, of the country? Is it going to be, let's be real, football money related? Because I can see a situation where if the Big Ten – sits there and looks at, you know, I can see where they go, you know what, guys, the SEC's playing, the ACC's playing, 
I got about I got about thirty million reasons for each of you why we're playing. Yeah, and that's and it would even be in that scenario. Here's some leverage for you. Imagine this scenario: Ohio State says it's not safe to bring kids to campus. Most of these SEC schools say it is. The SEC says we're playing. Big Twelve says we're playing. And all of a sudden, Ohio State says, "Okay, well, we got to play." So much, too much money on the line not to play. And the kids at Ohio State say, well, if you're going to quarantine us, it's going to take this. It's why and here's, I do- the, and here's another crazy scenario. This one-time transfer rule passes. Big 12 says they're going to play. SEC says they're going to play. Pac-12 says we just can't. All of a sudden, any kid who's – wouldn't be the – the surefire NFL prospect would be fine. He he could just, hey, sit out a year, train. He's going to get drafted. Uh, but the borderline NFL prospect who still has something to prove, a young player who still has a couple of years and needs to prove something, he's going to say, hey, look, I mean, sorry, USC, but I got to go. You bring up. You bring up an Nick issue. Saban, Nick Saban would never take advantage of that situation, by the way. There's never, no chance. No, he, Coach, he, Coach he Saban would, would never do that. Coach, no. Saban, Coach Saban never wants the rules to work to his advantage. Mama, they got any, they got any players over there at USC or Stanford? Think they'd come? We need a tackle. <laughs> and I don't Man, know if you saw that defense, but that defense <laughs> was Big 12 soft. Fascinating, though. You're right. Well, no, there's so here's, much money here's, on the line. So there's, this there's, is just what, a lot, there's a lot there from a college football standpoint. This is another thing that that I I don't necessarily – it's somewhat tinfoil hat, but it's not – it's not uh, – you know, I'm not looking up and saying we didn't land on the moon and it was a, a TV studio in Van Nuys. But you bring up two issues. Number one, it wasn't blindly – accepted that the transfer rule was going to go into effect, but it was favored. And all of a sudden, it was not going into place this year. I do wonder if part of that was going to be, guys, we got to have some protection in case some of these schools are playing and some aren't. Like, we got to – we're here to protect everyone, you know, we're not just here to, you know, the SEC can pass it, but we're not going to rule the the kids eligible. So we can't, you know, we got we got to have some protection in place in the event that in the event that we have different conferences with playing football to protect that scenario that you just painted painted. And then the other part of me wondered when I saw the name, image, and likeness proposal. My first thought was, that's a lowball offer. And maybe it's because, you know, I've been buying a house. Shout-outs to Jason Lowe. Use the fine people at Community Mortgage. They were so wonderful during this entire process. I cannot thank Jason enough for his support. But J. Lowe, J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Just so you know, they're located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. Uh, all the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis, Uh they're the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market. When you do do what uh, Jeffrey is doing, reach out to Jason and ask him about uh, community mortgages float down option because that's going to allow you to lock in the current rate. But if rates go down before you close, you can get the lower rate. And so I bring all that up because 
when I said I saw the proposal and I go, God, that is a that's a low ball offer. I was wondering if it is a negotiation because to me it was one of two scenarios. And I still think the most likely scenario is the policy that we saw or the proposal that we saw is exactly what happens when a group of NCAA true believers get into a room and come up with a plan. Like it read that way and it was like I was like, okay, and I still think that's the most likely answer. With that being said, it's very much on the table that a decision is going to have to be made of, you know, I'm not certain of it, but it seems like that there's going to have to be, there's a likelihood that the decision of are we going to play without fans to get a TV contract, to get TV money, are we going to do that? And if so, we are going to lose a ton of leverage. And, you know, because of that, I could see where that first proposal was the first offer, if you will, and that was the lowball offer, knowing we can't, you know, we can't make our final offer now because they already have, we already think that they're going to have more leverage than us, and we can, you know, we want to try to, you know, we understand we're going to, you know, we are where we are, and this is going to happen one way or another, so let's try to let's try to get it to the best situation that's palatable to us as possible. I found myself wondering if that was an element of what we were looking at. And again, I don't necessarily believe it, but I'm not ruling that that aspect out. Well, it's kind of like l- looking at some of the the and for the record, for the record, Washington, I don't think the people because the the biggest argument against that point would be well, how can you think the people that come up with rules with the NCAA, which you don't ever think are pragmatic and smart and shrewd, why why would these same people all of a sudden do a shrewd move? And the answer is, I don't. I think lawyers did. Because that was yeah. the other thing, if you read the proposal from the NCAA, that was not written by, that was not written from the office of, of what's-his-face, the Indiana guy. Um, uh, he's... he's Every time he opens his mouth, you're like, oh, my God. Uh, the president of the NCAA. I'm blanking. Mark Emmert. Mark, Mark Emmert. Emmert. That wasn't from the office of Mark Emmert. That that was from uh, the office of your, you know, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis law firm. That was <laughs> that was from them. Yeah, of course. And so right. that's how I can that's how I can rationalize that. All right. I'm going to touch on one more thing before we uh, let you go. And again, thanks so much for your time. Let me tell you real quick. One of Jeffrey's favorite places when he comes to Oxford, one of mine as well, is LB's Meat Market. It's right across from Kroger, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford, 662-259-2999. Been telling you this for a while. You can call Greg Jones at that number. You can tell Greg what you want. He'll have it all ready to go. You can you can pay on the phone, all that stuff if you are uh, one of the people who needs to be super careful or just wants to be super careful. Uh, you can do that. Uh, you can also go in. Um, it's Oxford. You're going to have to have a mask on, but you can go in and you can look around and you can ask Greg what he recommends. And uh, my advice to you is to listen to Greg. He is uh, his stuff is fantastic. It's the freshest cuts in Oxford. Ask about the Denver steak. Ask about those big uh, bone-in ribeyes. Um, great fillets. Great pork, chicken, fish. Basically everything you can want. Their sausage selection is amazing. It's at LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. And again, that number. 662-259-2999. Okay, last thing, Jeffrey, and that is this. 
in March and April, we, we had the benefit of time as it pertained to this. It's now May. It's just May the 7th. So we still have some time, but it's one of the things that's come out in baseball. You know, this best case scenario for Major League Baseball, if everything goes well, if everything goes without flaw, they're planning to get started around July the 1st, which is a Thursday, obviously, at the, uh, the kind of the beginning of the, of the 4th of July weekend. Actually, the 1st is a Wednesday. But they're planning to get started around July the 1st. They want to be playing games on television on the 4th of July weekend. To do that, they've got to get at least three weeks of, of a second spring training, which would put them at around June the 10th-ish to get started with training. To do that, you've got to get all of the players to either Florida or Arizona, wherever their respective camps are. To do that, you've got to have plans. It takes time. Not all of the players are in one place. Not all of the Cardinals are in St. Louis or in Jupiter. Not all of the Cubs are in Chicago or, or Mesa. you got to move people around. It takes time, travel. you got to come up with accommodations. There's work to be done. There's planning to be done. That, that, uh, that pertains to a college football program as well. In your opinion, you, you hear uh, Keith Carter was on the Oxford Exxon podcast. He's been pretty clear about a date. He thinks to have an on-time start to a schedule – from a protect the players standpoint, you really need to have the players on campus July the first ish, uh, no later than the fifteenth. To do that, that takes some planning, especially if you're going to come up with some sort of a quarantine idea. You you, you got to have you got to have plans on how you're going to feed the players, how you're going to transport the players, how you're going to keep play all that stuff. When do these schools have to start saying, "All right, this is what we're doing. This is the schedule." This is our plan. We're bringing the players to, to campus on X date. Or when do they have to say, hey, this this isn't going to work on time. We're going to have to at least um, Entertain suspend, the, possibility, suspend yeah. the start indefinitely. What's what's kind of the, the date you're looking at on when things have to get announced? I'm looking at June 1st. Yeah, me too. I am too. In the end, I think this would be kind of my my final thought on all of this. In the end, whenever – and I'm not saying that, that people that tried to come up with plans and were, were trying to think of scenarios, I'm not saying that that was wrong. In fact, I think that was responsible because who's to say what events could or couldn't change and you needed to have a plan in the event that you could? In the end, though, every single one of these plans that we've looked at, Neil, you just sit there and you go, that's not – possible maybe it's theoretically possible but there's no way that that's going to be practical and I, I've just kind of made my peace with that in that you know maybe we see this this NFL season but you know it wouldn't shock me if we see a start and stop or a stop and start and I just think in the end when you looked at when you looked at everything and tried to make predictions based on the information that you had, the most obvious answer to me was always this. I don't know when this is going to happen, but it's not happening on time. I, I personally don't think there's any way that it happens in 2020. I, I do fundamentally agree that the day that they can play football, uh, the NCAA and, and all those institutions are going to do everything in their power to play football. But the answer was always very obvious to me. And 
I understand, like, we would talk, you and I would talk to people that we respect, and we don't think it was people with agendas. We think it was people that were talking to decision makers. And I don't think their information was wrong. I just think their information came from those that were dealing with unprecedented times, and they were, you know, they're just in that mode. It's kind of like how we started the show when we talk about when you go into, like, survival mode. And you're just coming up with ideas of what can I do to get through the day. I think they were talking to those people. And in the end, I think it's probably going to be lawyers. I think it's going to be people that um, understand the reality of the situation. And more importantly, the risk of money. I, I just I don't see how this happens. Well, it's a story that's not going away. Appreciate you spending uh, as much time as you did today on this with the beer garden. As always, it's uh, it's it's fun to talk to you. I know that uh, I know this is it, these are interesting times when you're in talk radio every day because you just get beat up, and all you can do is do your job and do the best you can and get qualified guests on and try to lend perspective to the things that they say. And I know you're trying to do that, so I wish you uh, I wish you the best. Look forward to seeing you hopefully sometime soon. Sometime in 2022. Looking forward to it. <laughs> By the That's way, Jeffrey, are yeah. you going to be coming to the uh, the drive-through wedding? Uh, we will we will socially uh-huh. distance your wedding in mm-hmm. in whatever way that everyone yeah. views it to mm-hmm. be uh, views it to be uh-huh. appropriate yeah. and uh, and safe. No, I mean, I, you know, man. I mean, we're done. I know we got got to hustle, but I, I'm 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 at a place where people think, oh, you're cheering for the virus. I'm, no, I'm not. I mean, here's what's interesting with me is that I catch myself being more eager to kind of get out, to do something, to get away. My brother texted me the other day and he was like, I'm at a bar. Am I sitting at a bar? It was outside a bar in, in, in Houston or whatever. And I thought to myself, I kind of got mad at myself. I thought, would I be comfortable with that? Would I, how comfortable would I be? And I don't, I, I couldn't come up with the answer. And then yesterday we had, because of some things that happened with internet and some other stuff, we had people in and out of the house throughout the day. And there was, most of them were wearing masks. But a couple of people shook my hand. And yeah. I can't help it. I'm conditioned. If someone extends their hand, I shake it. I, I did know this, I'm not supposed I, to. I, I did the same thing. And it was funny. I did the same thing. And we both, you know, this wasn't a guy making a statement by shaking my hand of, by God, I'm yeah. it was just, it's what, it's literally, you and I, I don't know, I was probably taught in fourth grade, you know, firm at, handshake. At that's like, that's Sh- what. Shake hands, firm sh- firm handshake, look the man in the eye and say, nice to meet you. Correct. Good to see you. That's, that's the way you were raised. And you shook a woman's hand, not as firmly, but you looked her in the eye and you told her it was nice to see her, that it was, you know, whatever. Thank you so very much, Mrs. Jones. Whatever the case may be, you were just taught that way. And so in this case, it was a man who's a little older than me, and he extended his hand. And truth is, we were kind of, you know, we're, 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 he's, he's building something for us. And he was coming. He needed to look at the space where we're having it built. And he looked at He was given, given a quote, and he was talking to Laura about where she could get different things and whatnot. And, you know, and, and, and it was the first time I'd ever met him. He's been dealing with her, of course. And, you know, and she said, this is my husband, Neil. And he stuck his hand out. Well, what am I? And I shook it. But my point was in the, in the ensuing five minutes between the time that, that I shook his hand and the time that he 
got all the information that he needed and left. All I could think about was washing my hands. Oh, and I mean, I even had the moment where like we both, we shook hands and then we both realized like, yeah, we shouldn't have, like, it was not like me uncomfortable because he, it was like, it was so involuntary from both of us. Yeah. And then we both realized like, oh, we, (laughs) we, we should have probably just said it's a pleasure to meet you. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, and then you see people like I see my parents, you know, and, and, uh, we see them from a distance. I, we don't hug. We don't touch. And, and I think to them, I think about them. You know, they're 77 years old and, you know, you know, they want to hug their grandkids and they want to. What do we do? See. I don't know. What are you? What are you? I mean, my parents are not as old as yours, but my parents are both over 60. Sunday's yeah. Mother's Day. And, you know, I, I, I want to do a lunch. They want to do a lunch. And I'm it, to me, it's not I'm not even I you know me better than anyone. I don't have a healthy fear of anything with the exception being needles. With that being said, I would not, I love my parents to death and I would never forgive myself if it came back that, you know, it could be, you know, it's traced to me. I was asymptomatic the whole time and something happened to them. I I just never would recover from that ever. Oh, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm the exact same way. I, and so, you know, I mean, there's a part. So the part of me, and if I'm honest, I mean, if you told me today, hey, you can go to a football game with 55,000 people, I can tell you my answer right this moment is probably no thanks. I'm 100. I'm, I am the least germaphobic person you know on the planet. And the idea of, do you want to go to a game? Uh, no, I, I got, I got high definition television. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Now, you know, and, and, and people listen, I, I don't think media I've, I've, you know, you and I haven't even talked about this. I have zero doubts whatsoever that there will be no in-person media coverage this year. Oh yeah. You know, I, that is not happening now. There will be some, I think, I think as we will find out who the good SID, if, if there's It'll a be season, like pool reporting, but yes, from, if but the, from, if, from, from if, employees. <laughs> yeah. If there's a season and, uh, it's what I think it will be. We will find out who the good sports information directors are, and we will find out who the bad sports information directors are, and there will be surprises in both camps, I suspect. There will be Zoom calls. There will be, uh, there will be teleconferences. There will be all of that stuff kind of post-game. Uh, there will like, – it's, it's, I mean, not to get back on the topic, just real quick. You'll, you'll have to – like if you're Ole Miss, for example, in, in a quarantine setting, if you take – a photographer and you take a video crew, you'll have to quarantine them. They can't go home. They're they're part of the program for the entire duration. Now they're employees and they'd sign off on it, I suppose, but it would be a different deal. So I mean it would be really interesting. I mean, you you'd find out, but there's there's no doubt in my mind that that media would not be allowed in. It would be that would be adding a, an element that 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 you, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to add. Um so I don't think it'd be a choice for me to make, but and maybe my opinion would change in 2 months and that's I, I guess we'll leave it there. I, I'll uh, what I will hope is that as we sit here on May the 7th, the opinions on June the 7th are far more positive than they are today and they're more positive today than they were on April the 7th. 
And then on July the 7th, they're even more positive. And by the time September the 7th rolled around, if you said, hey, you can go to a game, I'd say, cool. Today, I'd be super cautious. I'd, I'd have to say, no, I don't, I don't think that's a wise idea just because I don't, I don't want to infect. I don't want to get something that could, that could negatively impact someone close to me. Yeah, my final word would be, I hope we're wrong. Yeah, I definitely hope I'm wrong. I I, I hope I I know enough people in sports uh, to read some of the words they use, and I can tell the baseball people are really skeptical. I'm suddenly hearing skepticism from NFL people that were not skeptical before, I, and I don't know why it's that way. I don't know who's, I don't know whether it's just a, a kind of a trend. Because a week ago I was pretty positive. This week I'm negative. Next week I might be positive. So I I, I when I say that I mean from a mentality standpoint. I, I don't know. There's, it is, it is one of those stories that will change. It's a story that develops. It's a story that we're going to talk about all summer long. And then if we get into the fall, we're, we're approaching a, a key point though. And you're right. June 1st is that point. Like for, you know, I, if you're the university of Tennessee, we started with them. We'll end with them. If you're the university of Tennessee and you're going to bring 30,000 people to the university of Tennessee this fall, and some of it is going to be online and some of it's going to be on campus. You, you have to announce those plans and you have to announce them quickly. Otherwise, it, it doesn't work and your enrollment drops 30% and you did it to yourself. You've got to do it where people have time to make plans. And that that date is about three weeks from now. And, and, and when that happens, this story will take a, a seismic shift one way or the other. Jeffrey, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Anytime, buddy. That's Jeffrey Wright, 92.9 FM in Memphis. We'll be back uh, next week with another edition of The Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. Until then, take care. See you soon.